you, Father, as um, we show our gratefulness to you. We ask these things and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Teresa. Mm -hmm. Hey, we want to dismiss those kids that are... uh, Four years old through fourth grade, four years old through fourth grade, if you want to head down to uh, Kids Church, you can do that. They're anticipating your arrival. And so as those guys make their way out of here, I'm going to do uh, what we need to do. I'm going to remind you of uh, of what we've been talking about, okay? And so everybody turn around, wave at those guys, say bye, have fun at Kids Church. That's right, we'll see you in a couple hours. So... Um, yeah, you guys. Uh, hey, listen. Um, so what we did uh, last week, if you were here last week, maybe you recall, we talked a little bit about the nativity scene. Nativity scene here. And, uh, just yesterday, I was driving around, and I went by a you know, picture window, and uh, some family had a nativity scene in their picture window, the main window in the front of their house here. And the only thing it was was uh, baby Jesus in the manger, and then it had Mary and Joseph. And that's it. That's the whole thing in the nativity scene. Now, like we talked about uh, last week, uh, nativity scenes can be expanded, a little bit bigger. Uh, sometimes you'll see the shepherds that are there, right? The shepherds came, and they're standing there, and they've got the little hood thing over, and the little shepherd's hook, and, and then there's some sheep laying around, maybe a donkey in the background, and maybe a little bit more expanded nativity scene. Uh, we'll have the wise men that are there, right? The, uh, the magi that have shown up, and now they're, they're standing there holding their gifts, and, and then maybe there'll be an angel up above, and the star is always there that the wise men have followed, and they said last week that uh, maybe what we could do is kind of whittle some new figures and add them to the nativity scene because there are actually other characters that are a part of the nativity scene uh, as you read through scripture that we could add to this deal. And last week, if you were here, we talked about Simeon, a guy named Simeon, read about him in the book of Luke. And uh, he was a guy that was present when baby Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated unto the Lord. And uh, Simeon was a guy that had been waiting in great anticipation uh, to meet Jesus. Jesus. And we said, could that be us? Could we be a people that are greatly anticipating to meet a Jesus? And we saw a little Simeon there, kind of character in there. Now this morning, uh, I suggest to you that maybe can kind of picture a little character here. Another character we could add to the nativity scene and just kind of picture a uh, sort of a carving, uh, maybe somebody kind of in a white robe kind of a thing. And, uh, and they got a crown. They got a crown, but uh, what they're doing is they're kind of re- removing this crown and they're kind of down on one knee kind of, and, and they're getting ready to take that crown off of and they're taking that crown, they're kind of like a king, and they're, they're taking that crown, and they're getting ready to put it on baby Jesus. And so that, I think that that could be a little character uh, that would be a part of a nativity scene, and now you might say, well, why? Well, here's why. Because of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Here's what Matthew has to say. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, There's a king. There's a king that's involved here. And the first thing that Matthew wants us to know is that during the birth, during that first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, there was a king in play. There was a king in play during that first Christmas, and it was Herod the king. You see, uh, uh, baby Jesus had the manger, but Herod had the throne, right? He was the king, and so there's this king that gets introduced into the story of Jesus, and he was there. But what we need to know is this. 
that Christmas is ultimately when baby Jesus arrives, it is the declaration, it is the announcement, it is what everybody was to know at that time, that there is a new king. You got your bulletin, write that down in there, there's a little place right there. There is a new king, there is a new king, the new king has arrived. Jesus did not come just to redeem to be the redeemer, Jesus also came to rule. He was going to be the king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And so there is this new king that enters into the picture there on the nativity scene. Now, here's what we know. Angels had that figured out. And the shepherds had that figured out because the angels announced that sure enough, there was this new king in town. They said it this way. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, the town, the town of David, the town of David, that was Jerusalem. It's called the town of David because King David used to be the king over at Jerusalem. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Hey, here's some information. Uh, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ is a title. Christ is a title, and the title means anointed one. It means Messiah. It means king. And so Jesus is the king. That's the announcement that the, shed, that the angels made to the shepherds. Said. Jesus is the king. There is a new king in town. And so here's what we need to know about that. When we celebrate uh, Christmas, uh, we don't celebrate Jesusmas. Jesusmas, right? Uh, we celebrate, uh, so we're not celebrating baby Jesus. Uh, we are celebrating Christmas, Christ the King, his time. Christmas is to be the celebration of the arrival of the new king. There's a new king in play, and that is Jesus. Now, the wise men knew this too, right? The wise men show up, and, uh, and so we read about that in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1-2. It says, Magi, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, what? King of the Jews, right? He says, For, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so the Magi arrived, and they did not arrive to adore some new kid, right? Uh, they came to worship a new king. There was a new king in play. And that plays out. Remember, what, remember uh, what did they give him? They gave him gold, Frankenstein, and meth? No. What, what the, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Remember, that's what they show up and they give. And so they, they give, and so why do they give those things? Because gold, gold, uh, what are you going to give a king? What are you going to, you know, what do you have more valuable than gold, right? Yeah, and so they were simply declaring, this is a king. We give him gold. Frankincense. What is frankincense? Frankincense was burned. Uh, it was uh, in the temple and it, 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 the, the smoke would go up and it was symbolic uh, during those times of the prayers being lifted to God. The Magi were saying, this is a king and this is the guy. This kid is not the kid. He is the king and we adore him and he is the one who is going to hear our prayers. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is myrrh? Myrrh was an ointment that you would put on a body when you were preparing it uh, to be buried. And so the, these magi show up and they're going, he is a king that will hear our prayers, but he is going to die ultimately for us. They knew 
This guy was the king. There was a new king in town. Herod had the throne. Jesus was in the manger. But Christmas is all about there is a new king. There is a new king in play. Listen, <clears throat> that, that was going around. And, uh, and, and, and Herod started to hear this, and the people in the community started to hear this, and there was sort of a buzz that was going on, and we read about that buzz that was going on in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 3, and it says, when Herod, the king, heard this, heard this new baby, this new baby, there's a new king in town, when Herod heard this, he was troubled, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Herod was disturbed. Herod was troubled, and Herod, Herod, Herod was, he, he was a punk. Herod was a bad guy. He was a bad... Did you know, historians tell us that this King Herod, this King Herod, he had three of his sons murdered so that they could not take his throne. He had his wife murdered so that she could not meddle with his throne. Herod was a bad guy, and he was troubled when he heard the announcement, there is going to be a new king. But it wasn't just Herod. It says all Jerusalem was troubled as well. So what is Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem, uh, it's a city, right? It's a city uh, in an area, and uh, this entire area was under Roman rule. You know that, right? The Romans were in charge, and, and uh, well, so first it was, uh, 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 was it Caesar Augustus or, or Caesar? Let's see, I got it right here. Um, Caesar, it was... Uh, Caesar, Julius Caesar, Julius, Julius is what I could. At first it was Julius Caesar, and then it was Caesar Augustus, and the Caesars were the, the rulers of the Roman world, and so they were up there in Rome ruling, and then all the way down uh, the city of Jerusalem, and there were uh, the, the Israelites were living in there, the Jews were living in there, and they were all under the Roman rule, and they heard this thing. The entire area of Jerusalem was a buzz that the, there's a new king, there's a new king, there's a new king. But here, uh, the, the Roman people, the Roman people, they were under this thing that was called emperor worship. Emperor worship, and what that was is that uh, when uh, when they had to gather in the Colosseum and they were watching the uh, chariot races take place, or wherever the Roman officials were throughout the area, when they would meet each other, they would get together and they would look at each other and they would say Kaiser Curios, Kaiser Curios, and then uh, the crowds in the and the audience when the chariots were going around, Kaiser Curios, Kaiser, Curios, and that meant Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord, and so the people were wondering, well, who's this new king? We thought, uh, they believed that Caesar was a god. And now there's this new person that's going to come in to play. Meanwhile, the Jews that were there, listen, there's a new king. There's a new king. They were excited. They were thinking King David. Remember King David? King David was a guy, a little kid. He, he beats up Goliath, right? Cuts off his head. And then, uh, but later he grows up to be the king of Israel. And he was the guy that says, uh, uh, we're calling this place the, the city of David. And uh, he's the guy that's going to lay the foundation where the, the temple unto God was going to be built. And uh, Eventually, his son Solomon builds that. And, and so the people in Jerusalem, they're learning. There's a new king coming. There's a new king coming. There's a new king coming. And it's all stirring around. They're starting to think about this. And they're starting to think about this. And they're starting to think about this. And here's what they knew. They knew that this little baby was going to change things. He was going to change things. And sure enough, he did. He arrived. He grew up. He grew up, and when he was about 30 years old, he was baptized. Went down to the River Jordan, he was baptized, started his ministry that way. And he was tempted by the devil, and, and uh, where we, you know, we can relate to that. We're tempted, and, 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 and he preached. 
He preached and he went around telling people and, and crowds of thousands and thousands and thousands of people would come to listen to Jesus as he was telling them about the kingdom of heaven. And they'd come and they would listen to him and, and, uh, and, and, and people uh, would believe in them and him and, and put their faith in him. And then uh, the, the Romans, interestingly enough, and the Jews, interestingly enough, uh, they conspired. They began to conspire against uh, Jesus, this new king. And, and they wanted to kind of put their thumb on him and, and squash him. And so what did they do? Uh, they arranged to have Jesus killed. After he grew up and did this ministry and thousands of people were believing in him. And, and so they, uh, they had him arrested. And they had him nailed to a cross. And while he was on the cross, they shove a spear up under him. And he dies dead on the cross. And this king, remember what it said on the cross? Literally, they put a sign about, here lies Jesus, king of the Jews. And he's dead. And he's hanging there on the cross. Dead, dead, dead. And then they take him down off of that cross. And then and they put him in a tomb, put a big stone in front of the tomb. They get Roman soldiers to come and guard the tomb. But then what happens three days later? The stone rolls away. And the guards are not there. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking out of the of the temple, uh, out of the tomb, out of the temple. And he's walking around. Corinthians tells us that he appeared before more than five hundred people, and they saw him. And they were eyewitnesses, and they touched Jesus, and they ate with Jesus. And here he was. We saw he was dead, dead, dead. He was dead, but now here he is, and he's alive, and he's walking around. And the Bible tells us that thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people believe this is the risen Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And people are getting baptized and, and following uh, Jesus. And, and listen, listen. Jesus comes back to life. He lives on earth. Day of Pentecost comes, 50 days after his resurrection. He goes back up into heaven. And, uh, and then Peter, Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he preaches this sermon. First sermon ever, uh, first New Testament sermon ever preached. Peter preaches this sermon. And look, he's going to juxtaposed Jesus up against King David. King, king David was a big deal. They thought that, that Jesus was going to arise to be a king like David and that uh, Jerusalem and the Jews would rise up and defeat Rome, but that's not what Jesus was about. Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching the day of Pentecost. Brothers, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here today. Yeah, David was a big deal, but his tomb's right here. Seeing what was ahead, he, David, spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he, Jesus, was not abandoned to the grave. God has raised this Jesus to life. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There is a new king. There is only one king. There's only one man that has ever lived on this earth and said, I am going to die for you. They put him in a grave. They watched him die. They covered it up. And they washed their hands of him and said, out. And he came back and is alive today. He is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Now here are some facts about that. Jesus is Lord. Fact. Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. Fact. He does not need us. Merry Christmas.
He does not need us. He is God, period. He is the Son of God. He is a part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is community within himself, and he needs nothing. He is a part of the Godhead. Fact number three. He does not have to wait patiently for us. He doesn't. He's God. We're not. He is the king. We are not. He does not have to wait patiently for us. Next one. Not choosing him is not some sophisticated choice of self-enlightenment or highly intellectual, but a stubborn act of rebellion. It is a willful denial of reality. Fact. Fact. He is the king, and we are not. Fact. We cannot threaten God or back him into a corner. He is God, and we are not. Fact. He is God. You might be thinking, wow, that's uh, kind of heavy there, Steve. But that is not the wow. That is not the wow. The wow is that these facts are, in fact, eclipsed by three other facts. Write this down. Three amazing facts about the king. Number one, he loves us. He doesn't need us. He chooses to love us. He loves us. One of the things I get to do is, uh, <clears throat> and uh, some of you don't have the guts to do it. I just go out there and say that right now. I drive a school bus. I drive a school bus every day, and I got some of your kids on my bus, and, and uh, I drive a school bus, and, and uh, one of the things I get to do as a bus driver is I get to be on that bus before the sun uh, ever comes up in the morning, and so what I get to do uh, most mornings, most of you know, Monday through Friday mornings, I get to watch the sun come up while I, I got a big old window right there in front of me, I get to watch the sun. Here's a picture, look at this picture. Now, uh, for some reason, they don't want me kind of driving and steering with my knees and taking pictures. So the, I didn't take these pictures, but uh, maybe you can see. There's a picture of a sunrise, and here's another picture of a sunrise. And, and, and you've experienced things like this. I have seen things like this day after day after day driving the bus. Here's another one. Here's, oh, look at that. That's a great one. Just the other day, it was snowing just a little bit. Did you see that? Did you get up in time to see there's a little bit of snow on the ground? Here's another one of a sunrise. And so I get to get on that bus in the morning. And it's really cold in the bus, and I'm shivering. I'm waiting for the heat to come on. And I look out the window, and I get to watch the sun rise. And it is incredible, and it is beautiful. It is stunningly beautiful. Creation is beautiful. God loves us. God loves us. And an example, a small example of his love for us is that he has created all things, that he has put all things together. And that the spectacular, nature is incredible. Nature is not an accident. 
It is not, there's not this big bang, random, all of the sudden uh, water falls and, and sort of uh, steam and moisture uh, kind of rising and rain falling and grass is green and flowers are incredible. And, and you look at us, we, uh, we are so complex. We, we're, DNA is so, we are just, uh, God's creation is incredible. It's incredible. And you know what the Bible says? Uh, Genesis, very right off the first verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created that. He created that for our pleasure. He loves us. And when we go outside, it's like, this is incredible. This is beautiful. God loves us. And then there's something that this loving God wants us to know. And, and so that's why we have the Bible. That's why the Bible took 1,500 years and four, uh, f- over 40 different authors to, uh, to be put together. And, 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 it, and it, he communicates uh, to us. And this is one of the things that he says. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. Dear friends, poke the person next to you that you don't like and say, well, at least God's your friend, right? That's what he says. Friends, 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 friends. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love, well, that, that comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because what? God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son at Christmas into the world that we might live through him. John 3.16 says, what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Isn't that what it says? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God is God, and I am not, and you are not. God doesn't need us, but he loves us and he cares for us and is interested in us. God loves us. Fact number two, we can talk to him. We can talk to God. The disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to talk to God? And and Jesus says, okay. And he says this, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Maybe you've never heard of this before, but this is what the Bible says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? That's, that's the Lord's Prayer. We know that. But did you know that the Lord's Prayer is also kind of an outline for the way that we can pray? So if you've got your bulletin there, just kind of write these things down and think about. So how do I talk to God? How do this, the God's God and I'm not and he doesn't need me, but he loves me. And he wants to talk to me. How do I talk to him? Well, you just kind of follow the outline. And so verse 9, our Father in heaven, hollow or holy is your name. So write this down. Start with praise of God. God, you are good. Thank you for the beautiful earth. Uh, thank you for uh, the heavens and the stars. And thank you for my family. Thank you for people that I get to love and that love me and for creating all that. You are good and you are holy and you are right. Thank you for that. So you just start praising God. Start with praise. And then do this. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that mean? Ask yourself this question. How can I write this down? Partner. How can I partner with God today? How can I partner with you today, God? 
I want to come alongside you. You want me to tell other people about the love that you have for me? How can I find people and let them know about the love that you have for them? Uh, uh, there's people that have needs. How can I partner with you, God? I want to be your hands and your feet. I want to pro- maybe there's a way I can be generous for them or come alongside them and help them with some physical task or maybe help them emotionally. How can I partner with you, God? And so you pray, dear God, is there, you know, is there a way that I can help be a part of your kingdom? I want to do what you want to do. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, present your request. Write that down. Present your request to God. God, I do have needs. You know what they are before I do, but you asked me to tell them to you, and so here we go. And you talk to God, and you let them know. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Deal with your attitude and forgiveness. Sometimes we have a bad attitude. Sometimes we say, well, rightfully so, because they wronged me. Well, and that hurts. Got to work through that. Got to work through that. But here's what we need to know. God loves us. And he wants to empower us to always be kind and to love others. And so ask God, dear God, I'm wrestling with this. I'm struggling with this. And I need your help. Talk it out with God. And then verse 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, I heard one time that there was a person that once struggled with sin. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never experienced that myself. No, we all, I say this all the time, the problem with most of us is that we are like the rest of us. We struggle with sin. We struggle with it. We know, we know there's this thing that God has put in our mind, this ought and ought not do. This ought and ought not do. And sometimes it's the very first thing. C.S. Lewis says, uh, it, it says, if I were to get on a bus and there was somebody in a seat that I would like to have, that would not disturb me. He says, but if I was going to make my way towards a seat that I wanted to be in and somebody cut in front of me and they sat in that seat and I wanted that seat, then I might be sore at that person. It's the same action. It's two different people taking a seat in the bus, but one, there's a sense of ought and one and ought not. Where does that ought and ought not come from? That's God. He's saying there's a right and there is a wrong. And because you know that there's a right, you know there is a God. You know he's there and he's real. And we need to, and so we can, and so it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Confess your struggles and then embrace grace, embrace grace, embrace the grace of God. God knows you struggle with sin. We all do. But he also forgives us. So three amazing facts about the king. He loves us. We can talk to him. And finally, in conclusion, we will meet him. We will meet him. No two's away, no two ways about it. We're going to meet him. We're going to meet him. Listen to this. 700 years before the Apostle Paul uh, wrote uh, in uh, the book of Romans, he was seven, he's in the book, while he's writing the book of Romans, he quotes something from Isaiah that was written 700 years before uh, he wrote to the Romans. And he, in Romans chapter 14, verse 11, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, it says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. Sometimes that sounds scary. But if God is love, then we will all meet love. And love is always just. 
It is just. Love is always just. And so uh, we can accept salvation that comes from Jesus, or we can reject it. We can, we can do those things, but we're all going to meet him. In fact, uh, Jesus wants us to be excited about meeting him. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know, Peter preached that sermon and he said, King David, his, his grave is right here, but, but it was God who said that Jesus is, he's the new king. He's the Lord and the risen savior. And after, after lots and lots of people heard Peter preach that sermon, they went up to Peter and they said, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to be right with God? What do we need to do to be saved so that uh, we, can, we can be uh, in, in good grace with God? We can be in the grace of God. What do we need to do? And Peter answered, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent. It means, it means if you know you're moving away from God, do a U-turn and head back towards God. That's what that means, repent. Repent and be baptized. We saw that this morning. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I kind of started this thing off saying, well, maybe a manger scene, there'd be this little carving, and maybe you're thinking King Herod is taking off his crown and putting it on baby Jesus. But really, that's me. And maybe that needs to be you. That you would say, I live my life like a king. I do whatever I want when I want. But the truth is, Jesus is the king. And I need to remove my crown and give it to Jesus. For he is my king. For those of you that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want to encourage you to live for the King. If you do not know if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you're not sure if you're a Christian or not, if you've never been baptized into Christ, I'd like to sit down and have a conversation with you as to what it means to give your life to Christ. We can meet most anytime, anywhere. Find me, call me, call the church, email me, text me. We can talk. If you don't want to talk to me, find a friend that's in the church and say, what must I do to be saved, be baptized into Christ? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son, our King Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.